Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Darren from London, and you're listening to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, what is the most personal question you've ever been asked in an interview, and did you answer it truthfully? Okay, here comes the show, and remember, question everything. Hello everybody and welcome to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast for myself, comedian, writer and occasional actor, Dane Baptiste, my producer friend, Howard Cohen, aka The Hizzer. Hello! And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked and we are talking everything from... Everything from Darren from London's question, what's the most personal question you've been asked in an interview and did you answer it truthfully? Darren, I've never been interviewed. Uh, for anything, really, other than a occasion, occasion about this podcast, but nothing. So, Dane, over to you. Have you had any awkward personal questions in an interview? Well, nothing too awkward. First of all, Howard, don't you sleep in a separate room to your wife? So, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, so, that's. I think we're, because we are the podcast that questions everything, we we tend to kind of get into the personal on a regular basis anyway. So, we've never really been thrown a, a curveball. So, yeah, I've. I couldn't think what the most personal question is, only because I guess my job requires me requires me to kind of be quite open with audiences anyway. So mm-hmm. nothing's out of there. But I would say most questions I have answered truthfully. I feel like yeah, if you have nothing to hide, and best you hear it from me than anybody else. So we always answer the questions truthfully on this podcast, and we tried for you there, Darren. Uh, but but listen, suffice to say, we ask and answer all the questions on this show, don't we, Dave? We absolutely do, and uh, I, I, I think my penis is probably adequate size, if that's what you think, Darren. I'd, you know, I don't really you know, line it up at the conferences. Anywho, uh, irrespective of penis size or question size, we answer all the questions on this podcast, as you know, Howard. And if you do like the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, and you'll never miss an episode. Or subscribe to us on Acast, the world's largest podcast network where you get to see all of our very special guests. With that being said, on today's show, our guest is a renowned podcaster and radio and TV presenter. For seven years, he hosted the Sky One online football show, Soccer AM. He regularly works for Talk Sport, Radio 5 Live, and in a previous life, he was an investigative journalist for the BBC. He's also written for The Guardian and The Eye Paper, and since 2017, he has hosted The Guardian Football Weekly, one of the most popular football podcasts in the world, leading to sell-out tours, around Europe and he has taken the time to hang out with us and answer some questions today. Please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Max Rushton. Hi, thanks for Hi, having welcome. me. Have, welcome. I, I don't know, I think sell-out tours of Europe is really overstating. Well, is overstating Max, I, I, I work with what I'm given. I work with yeah. what I'm given, you know. And, it was, and, it, and I think I did like three shows on Five Live and they were just honestly, right, they, they <laughs> give you so many pieces of, for a 10 p.m. start, right, You'd have to get in at like 5 p.m. and they'd give you like a lever arch file of briefing notes <laughs> for every guest. And so I went to Talk Sport, where you just are, if you're still alive at the end of the show, they're happy. And then someone else comes <laughs> yeah. in. And that's just, a, just much, you- it's a much safer place for yeah, me yeah, to yeah. be. 
They just give you the Daily Star when you turn up, right? That's what that's what. Do you know what? It's been you. I've been the Daily Star. I'm doing the afternoon show quite a lot at the moment, and that mm. has some great little sections. And oh, yeah. the letters page is really quite a it's quite extraordinary place of of sort of yeah. simmering rage <laughs> and slightly weird weird jokes that I've I've got like I mean I I've got an envelope I've got like a, a huge envelope full of cuttings from the Daily Star that I don't get round to doing on the show. So if like if half an hour in we hit a lull, I'll go and get the envelope of vignettes and I'll tell you about. It's right. normally a piece of toast from World War One is up for auction. It's normally yeah. that's the story. That, that resembles a, a, a deity of some kind or another. Yeah. Or it's like, my wife left me for a, a four-pack of Feast ice cream bars. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's like Pick Me Up magazine, which is like... Sport. Daily my, sport, no? My uh, jealous boyfriend ripped my face off, but I still married him, and we're happy. Yeah. It's got a tagline. Its tagline is... Uh, Life, death, prizes. <laughs> you know what? As, as it, philosophically, there is some validity to that statement. Yeah, the three things. <laughs> every now and again, you get some prizes, right? Exactly, yeah. Like, it's perfect. As you hurt towards death, every now and again, you get a little prize. I like to find that all these, these mag- the magazines that you find in doctor surgeries, and I guess they're well placed there, right? When you find out that someone left their husband for a carousel, I guess it feels like eczema's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? This rat is not going to be that bad. All right, that's be fine. It's just some steroids. That's what we need some steroid cream. This woman needs a lot more therapy. Speaking of um, speaking of rashes, I my phone the other day. You know, sometimes they put together a, a like a really fun montage. You know, like September oh, yeah. the thirteenth, and you went on a mini break to Whitstable. Well, I had hives, and and, <laughs> and then and then, and then the, my phone said, "Looks like you had a great day this time last year," and then made like a ten photo montage with some really sort of soulful piano music to various <laughs> pictures of my side and my back with like red spots on it. And then, you know, it, it, fin- it finishes on like a, and it, and it zooms in on like one bit of the rash of the hive. It was really wonderful. One of my friends accidentally uh, on the, on our sort of schoolmates WhatsApp group, he had what he thought was a hemorrhoid, and I think he was sending it to his wife, but suddenly it just it, it just pinged into... And we're quite an open group. We like to talk about things, so it's good it, it elicited yeah. a conversation about men's health, which is an important thing. But it was quite the photo to see when I was just sitting having a cup of tea. It was yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ian's anus. Uh, well, yeah. speaking of speaking of Ian's anus, it's probably time for a question, isn't it, Dane, as the format of this show dictates... Don't worry, Ian. We won't pile on, eh? 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 Oh, there it is. The dad jokes. It wasn't, guys, but I appreciate the support, and that's what men need to do is support one another. They do. It's okay. Howard did a really yeah. bad joke about drill music at dentists on a previous pod that I listened to. And <laughs> yeah. Your pile joke, pylon, was better than that one. Thank you very much. See, Howard, no man left behind. I was stuck, I stuck, I stuck, stuck with you through that whole time. That you stuck with time. me through worse. You stuck with me through worse than that, I'd say. Absolutely. We're still, we're still here, though, still questioning. And as our very esteemed guest, uh, Mr. Rushton, we welcome mm-hmm. you to ask that question. Any question you would like, which we'll discuss for 15 minutes and some change, Howard will do the same and we'll discuss again for 15 minutes. And then I'll lather and repeat. I'll ask a question which we'll discuss for 15 minutes and some change. And then we'd be uh, very, very humbled and flattered if you could let our audience uh, know where else they could hear about your good works. Um, and then we all go and have a wonderful time. Sound like a plan? Sounds good to me. Cool, cool. And the floor is yours for the first question, please. So I'm very indecisive, Dane. 
and mm-hmm. I have four questions. I'd like you to choose one. And I don't know mm-hmm. if that's upsetting the format of this program. Hey, it's questionary um, thing. If you want to question the format, then go ahead. So, so these are the four questions. Howard selected one that he liked best, but <laughs> these are the four that I want to ask. <laughs> Question one, should I have children? Mm-hmm. Come Question back to that two, one. Yes. Come back to that one. That needs more than a minute. <laughs> should I stop retweeting insults? Arguably, yes. Question yeah, three, <laughs> how many peas do you think you've eaten in your life? And there's, there's more detail on that one. Lots, Question yeah, four, lots, lots. why are we not, vocal about inverted commas sort of talent you know presenters and and media types who have a nice public persona but in real life are complete assholes uh, and i can answer that one because on this podcast we like not getting sued uh so yeah uh, i wasn't gonna name hey. any <laughs> well, yeah, exactly, Howard. and also it's not like if they did it yeah yeah so Dave, you, mean, choose. I've you choose punched, i've never punched an irish runner over a steak before <laughs> <laughs> Come I mean, me. can we do the peas one first? Let's do the peas one quickly, which is a fuck ton of peas. Peas just come with everything in pubs, don't they? They used to, but I probably have not eaten enough peas. I've recently discovered a real taste for uh, Nando's macho peas. I mean, uh, and stuff. Yeah, I really enjoy those. It, 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 um, this stems from the idea that when you die in an mm-hmm. ideal world... You, wherever you end up, right, you get handed a book of your life statistics, which will tell you everything about your life. So it will tell you, like, it will tell you the number of sausages you have consumed or the number of peas you've eaten. It's a bit like you look at your steps, and it's kind of quite interesting at the end of the day, isn't it? You go, oh, I've done 4,000 te- steps. That's quite interesting. But it's that for absolutely everything, you know? And it, it'll have things like all your debts and people owe you money. You find out like Ian owes me a hundred quid. You're like, I didn't know Ian owed me a hundred. All of those kind of things. And and I, I I would happily speculate, but I don't know what, I've, I haven't worked out how many people, what your world tennis ranking is. It'll tell you that. And I'd like to know. I think that's really cool. But do you know what? That's such a really good point. I feel like that's something people should probably get maybe at regular intervals throughout their life. Um, I feel maybe people and the way they lead their lives would change considering if they were aware of these level of stats. If everybody had their life and their, I suppose, their efficacy within life quantified in the same way with like stats of an athlete, then I think mm. people would have behavior because like how many peas I've had, I'm not too sure. I just want to make sure that that amount is higher than the amount of cigarettes I've had. Because okay. <laughs> I've had naught cigarettes. That's right. pretty good. Wow. Yeah. You never had one? You never even tried one at school, Max? No. Oh, I mean... I'm so square. Also, <laughs> my dad was a doctor, right? And he, when I was eight, he brought home a cancerous lung in a, <laughs> in, a in a sort of perspex box, right? Do you know what? It could have been a cow pat. I don't know. But like, it, it was black and it was horrible. And it, I've no idea if it was a lung or not, but he was just like, don't smoke because this happens inside your body. And yeah. I was like, all right. To be fair, the fact that he went to the effort of bringing whatever he did home, mm. that's enough to, to drive the point home. So I, I totally it worked. It, it worked, worked, right? I, I My totally sister get. smoked like a chimney till about five years. Yeah, ago. it goes like so. two ways. It's even, it's even, it's even. Yeah. You can afford your rebellion, right? When you're, he was you're, like, <laughs> I want, I want that. That's yeah, what exactly. I want. That's what, human nature. If you're confronted with an inconvenient truth, people are like, oh, climate change. I'm gonna buy a Hummer. Yeah. Or they're gonna, like, I'm gonna reduce. I'm gonna get a hybrid. So yeah. it's one of the two people. It's, it's um. But the peas one, I think, is really cool. So you can actually get that, like a list of like. 
how much food you've eaten and consumed and stuff. Is that something you can actually get? Well, maybe in the afterlife is what Max I, is suggesting. I don't I know. I mean, like, I, I, I thought I'd pitch it to Dave Gorman. It's the sort of thing he'd do, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's very. Uh, I think it'd be very good if you could get the stats of someone's like gas, gastrointestinal, a gastrointestinal like chart would be really good. I think if people, if they were, because then people like, because you know when you fill application forms or forms, and they're like, how many units do you drink a week? And I'm always mm. like, I can't really. If they were like, this is how much, and it's too much, then I'd be like, okay, maybe I do have a problem. So I think it'd be important to have. I feel like that's. I have a I have an, a romantic image of the afterlife where you almost go through your life like a DVD. You can go through these stats and pull them up. But then I feel like at one point I'd be like, Jesus, can we just skip the masturbation? We have been here for like seven hours and I'm only 17 here. Like, yeah. just, can we just... Presumably, presumably 17 was a peak, Dane. I mean, I don't know, but... <laughs> I think so, but then, you know, I became a comedian in my late 20s. And so... And lockdown. Lockdown's been a good, big chapter. The touring and, you know... Yeah. Just, just the, the initial misunderstanding of what self-love meant. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it's going to be... Maybe some kind of director's cut is going to be needed. I think if you had shown me video of myself masturbating, much like that lung, <laughs> oh, no. much like that lung oh, no. that your dad brought home, it would have stopped me from masturbating for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be a very good deterrent if you could watch that. <laughs> if, you, if Dane, you need to pause mid pod. Yeah. that's okay like, that's totally fine I would rather you paused and turn the camera off I mean I'm, just to I'm say self, I'm self sex positive but I'm also a professional time okay. time and place Max time and place but, um, absolutely that's a great question um, the other quick fire question I would, um, should you have children mm. um, I think the real question why would you want to have children three children are like tattoos in that respect until you know exactly what you want I would say wait yeah, but I'm quite an old man, Dane, and I don't want to be like, I don't want to be like Des O'Connor, you know. Well, that's true. But then the process of having children doesn't always. Really, it depends how you want to have children. It depends if you want to procreate children with, you know, a partner. It can mm-hmm. be very different for somebody who may, for example, want to adopt or may not have the same uh, options in terms of fertility. Yeah, I think about it a lot. I, I, I'm not going to get too personal, Max, unless, if, unless you want to. No, but, no, I'm um, very happy to get as personal as yeah, you want. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you, you kind of, you, you, you being uh, coerced into making a child? No, no, not or? at all. So, so yeah, I, yeah, uh, yeah. my wife and I are in a very similar space. You know, I, 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 I just want the same number of children that she wants, right? So, so I, I hope we don't end up with a different number of children because that means something has not gone quite so well yeah. in, in the relationship but issue, but, yeah. but like i i i think we we don't have one because it's much easier on any given day not to have a baby than to have a baby and i think it's quite a selfish thing to not have them i think it's quite a selfish thing to have them right they don't choose to be born and because i'm what 41 i've seen all my friends go through their, my mate's kids are around nine, 10, a lot of them, some a bit younger. So I've seen a lot of stages where it does not seem like a pleasurable experience. And obviously I haven't experienced all those things that you cannot quantify, you can't really articulate, you can't really, doesn't matter how many times somebody explains to you it's different. That That's impossible to get that across. You don't know that feeling. But, uh, but I sort of, because I'm so sort of tediously conventional, presume I'll end up with two and, you know, move to the suburbs and I think I'd have quite a nice time if I didn't have them and I think I'd have quite a nice time if I did because I think ultimately I'm quite a simple person I just deal with what's put in front of me I, I think there's yeah so many layers to it 
I think there's a lot of layers, but I think that's the way to go. I think is a very, uh, very good point you made about it's selfish to have them and it's uh, selfish not to have them. Um, but and I think that's what you have to look at on a larger on a larger scale. Is that I feel for a lot of people, um, like I said, they think about their child and within the, the microcosm of their own family as a very insular thing. When we are a social species that have to interact with society and find our place within there and learn to work and thrive with other human beings, and so. I think those are things that people have to consider is that you are bringing another human being into the world at large, not just into your family or into your small immediate family. And so it does require that large part of consideration. So it's not I don't, selfish. Not Is it selfish not to have them? I think it's selfish not to have them if you're with a partner who wants to have children. And, you know, obviously maternity is instinctive where women are concerned a lot of time as well. Um, I, I think there's a lot to be said for the fact that, that ultimately, uh, there are levels of life <laughs> as you get as an adult that feel like you may have complete, like, you know, like Bowser in uh, Mario, you know, uh, you know, you kind of like. For a minute, the, um, I thought you, you were going to quote a philosopher. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, like Bowser in Mario, right? Level two. I'm on level two now. Yeah, but it's like, you know, I remember when I lost my virginity, I felt like I was like a massive achievement in life. And then, you know, when I met my 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 wife and, you know, she said she'd sick with me, that was a massive achievement too. And then, you know, kind of the, the bit with my son being born, I think every, every I think there's a few elements to it that now I've done it, I could definitely kind of share some thoughts on it. And one is... I don't see the point in having more than one. <laughs> now, my wife might disagree with that, but I think one person that you're going to make have a great time is a brilliant thing. And that links back to a very simple element to it, which I, I think uh, maybe Max, Dane, people have said this to you. Maybe they haven't. Maybe it gets lost. I don't know. But, you know, me and Dane are like colleagues, right? Like we, we work together, right? But Dane's my friend and um, I have family, uh, who I like spending time with, just like I like spending time with Dane and people from school and web, and they're my friends, you know. And ultimately, that's just people you quite like spending time with, isn't it? Really. And this bloke that lives in my house now, uh, Dylan, uh, there he is, the little fat bloke, as you can see uh, to the guys that are watching. Um, he's like my friend who I like spending time with, and um, I didn't anticipate that bit when he was born. I kind of saw all the admin, and don't get me wrong. That any any parents listening, fuck me, that admin's painful. I mean, I've never washed so much shit in my life, and you know, just just his milk maintenance alone is like, how much fucking milk do you need to go through a day? You know what I mean? It's oh, mental. More than peas, I hope. Yeah, he, he does go through a lot more milk than peas, but um, <laughs> pea milk? No, it doesn't. It does exist. That's thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's hard exist. to milk a pea, isn't it? Yeah, you, but you very, know, dexterous. To be able to leave it up it. to those hipsters, yeah. um, but, but 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 that that would be ultimately, I think, if I was saying to someone, "Oh, why do it?" It's like you've just basically built yourself a new friend who you get to hang out with, and at the moment we don't have that much in common. You know, he's nine months old. He likes having a little uh, wrestle on the bed. Yeah, <laughs> like kind of throw him around. <laughs> he enjoys that. He likes looking at busy bear books, even though I think those books are shit. But like, I'll do it with him, you know. Uh, and eventually, you know, he'll like doing other things that I like doing and and we'll have you know a laugh together and that that to me is the bit that gets kind of lost in these well he might or he might not i mean that's the point you don't know do you he might think i'm a dick is that what you're going to say he might think i'm a dick yeah he might i mean i don't i don't know it's it's a it's it's a good point (laughs) i think i think what's interesting is that i i i know even that whole mario level thing is quite interesting and i think a lot of people 
do it because it's the next thing to do, whether they're in a great place to do it or not in a great place to do it. So, you know, I'm, 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 there's, actually, a there's a biology that's associated with it as well, isn't there? Because obviously birth patterns versus socioeconomic groups and obviously procreating for human beings at a very base level is how you in, ensure your survival of your yeah. gene And then there's, there's a selfish thought. The selfish thoughts are, it's part of the human experience, right? Yep. So as a human who isn't, who is mortal, I want to experience everything I can in my existence. And then there's the, I'd like a really sort of fun Christmas day table, which is a ridiculous idea because Christmas is just, you know, tight, you know, it's, you know it's, it's, I, 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 totally, I totally get it. And I, and yeah. I, and I, 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 I believe definitely these are probably the, the romantic aspects of, of bearing children that people consider. It's like, that's what people think of. Should I have a kid? We want kids to be opening presents under a tree on Christmas day. Like I said, it's, it's because obviously we are all aware that we are a social species and family is a big part of our, hmm. uh, our like, yeah, I guess our species based identity. That's who we are. We're not, you know, we're not amoebas. Human beings aren't really supposed to live and thrive by themselves anyway. So, no. and also there's that, that difficult thing. And I've chatted to friends who decided not to have children. And, you know, a question that is often posed of them is, Oh, won't you regret it when you're older? And and some of them have said, "Well, I can't, I can't make a decision now on something I might regret in twenty years." But I, I that is a sort of that sort of part of your sort of thinking of going, you know, when I'm old, I, I want that connection to the, you know, I want to, you know, like my dad coming into a, a, <laughs> a room when I was having a sleepover, going, "Have you heard of this guy Eminem? A diggy with the diggy and a diggy with the." And like, <laughs> I don't know. It's the most amazing moment, and I I just love my dad, and it, you know, and uh, like old old Jewish doctor, not an expert on on hip hop, and I mean, of which, neither am I, and uh, you know those mo- those sort of connection moments with that connection for him at some point, Howard's going to be like, "Is why to listen to," and he's go, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, 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 totally. It's a fascinating question. I feel we need to answer some of the other questions Max posed before we move on to my question. We got we got through at least two of your questions, That's Max. Two's what fine. Were the other? I wasn't I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I want to be greedy. It's tough, tough to do all four, isn't it, uh, yeah. Dane? Do you want to do, just quickly do one more? What was the one that was the one yeah. in the middle? Oh, the second one. At least. What was the second one? There was there was. Uh, why? Oh, I know, I know. Should you read? Should why do we pretend people on camera are nice and then uh, off camera they're pieces of shit? Yeah. So so for example, there there we probably all know. The same presenters, the same comedians who are sort of absolute, they are, you know, man of the people, down to earth, absolute greatest, you know, best mate, have a pint with type people who in real life treat everyone below them, treat everyone on the other side of the camera, absolutely like dirt. And that, I have seen that with some people and it drives me completely mad and I don't know why there isn't like an amnesty where everyone just says you know I think I'm a kind person right I think I treat people well I say hello to everybody I don't try and behave differently to somebody because they might get me somewhere I, I try and do that hopefully who people who've worked with me right. no eye contact <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> but like why don't we have a big listen bleep bleep is actually there's a what's the well, rule, I, I, what's the rule on the c word on this podcast? Oh, you can call anyone so, you like. A so cunt. there's a TV producer I know who is writing a book. I, I or at least he said he had the idea called C 
cunts I've had to be nice to, which is a great <laughs> name for a book, right? <laughs> why do we I love put, it. Why do we put up with that? Best for a book I've heard in a long time. I'd say, I'd say a couple of things. I'd say, number one, there is a movement within the media industry in the UK to stop what I think would generally be called bullying. And it'll be interesting to see if that happens on and off camera at the level you would like. Uh, that would be one thing I would just point out to listeners. Because basically what we're talking about is the equivalent of when you go out for dinner with someone and they're really rude to the waiters. That's the kind of thing that we oh. see in the media industry all the time but uh, to, any, to anyone. Yeah. it's. Um, I, I think the... The reason why, unfortunately, is that we have a state of being as human beings where people are happy for somebody else to assume that character and they don't have to take responsibility for themselves. So, like, on a larger scale, it's kind of like people are happy with Donald Trump being the lightning rod for vitriol and hatred and spewing all of this regressive and disgusting ideology because then that empowers other people to be able to, on a smaller on a smaller scale behave in the same way and justify it i, I remember i did a gig with a comedian uh, and we were like carpooling to a gig and i basically had to chauffeur this guy between gigs so he wouldn't sit in the front like he's sitting in the back i'm driving <laughs> daisy and i was very early in the game i didn't really i mean as a person i was like this is some bullshit as a comic <laughs> i'm trying to respect some kind of industrial hierarchy i was like i guess this is what you do and i guess there are, you're gonna you're gonna meet you know people with an idiosyncratic disposition. You're gonna meet people that are quirky, and maybe this is this person's ritual in terms of how they calm themselves down. But move, fast forward like six years later, if this guy calls me, I'm not gonna see him again. I'm not gonna. Did you have to put? You. Did you have to put bottles of water in the little pouch? <laughs> you know what he did. He would give me CDs that he wanted to hear, like comedy CDs and stuff, and be like, "Oh, let's play this guy. Let's listen to this guy." And Gosh, so he no. would listen to that, and, I, and it's like you know. I, I wouldn't become too angry about it because I just didn't have any other frame of reference. And I think a large of it, part of it is due to experience. A lot of people, especially at a particular at a entry level. Well, that, that brings up an entry, an interesting element, which is, and I've worked with a lot of people, and I, I think it's very noticeable how people may go in cycles and they may get exposed to this newfound power and fame or whatever, and it sends them a bit mad, and then they might rein it back in. So I'm going to talk about quickly the fact that, you know, I spent... Uh, a bit of time last year or the year before working with both Jamie and Harry Redknapp. And, you know, I definitely think I've heard things said about them in the past by people, but I can tell you categorically that they were the single nicest people. When we finished the shoot, they went round both of them individually and shook everyone's hand and said, thank you for what you did to, you know, to contribute to the, the project today. They were a delight. Yeah, and no, I'm also no, I, gonna... I, would, I would back you up on both of those guys. I have worked on shows where, you know, other people should have done stuff and yeah. um, something has gone wrong and, and pretty much all the stuff I do is live. Okay, the, the pod isn't live, but everything else. And I would never, ever, I would just like roll with it and maybe maybe that reflects maybe then listeners or viewers or bosses think well that show isn't very good because these things go wrong <laughs> but and so i'm yeah. by not being a bastard by just going oh don't worry about it it's only a radio program it doesn't matter it's only a tv show whatever like people have forgotten about it i'm not like a perfectionist because i'm just like if things go wrong it's funny we just we'll just deal with it yeah and I, maybe I that's the approach as well max because some because i i i'm of the school that if you if everyone feels comfortable within it it's very hard to get the optimal performance out of anybody within a hostile work environment. So I'm kind of doing it. And it's not like you don't take the final product seriously, you don't want to do very well. But I think trying to undermine the ingenuity or work of other people when you're trying to create something uh, altogether adroitly doesn't really work. 
So I don't, so for me, it's kind of like I would much rather in a very cordial way or civil manner be able to talk to somebody about if they make a mistake as opposed to lambasting somebody because it's like I don't people, especially when you're working and you're depending on other people, having people holding resentment towards you, it's never conducive to like a good work environment. I can't no, really see I, I, I sort of think you can shout at someone if you're in a hospital or, or if you're on a building yeah. site because people can get seriously hurt. But yeah. if you're in a TV studio... It's just, you know, you didn't, the prop came out at the wrong time. And so that joke went flat. So what? what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's all, and I mean, particularly within the industry of comedy is that it says a lot about you philosophically, if you're taking it too seriously, you're in comedy, like you're not supposed to take it seriously. Like if someone, if Johnny Vegas, if I had Johnny Vegas, like stop camera to like have his makeup reapplied, I'd be like, well, that's not the person he says he is, but you, you wouldn't imagine you couldn't see him doing something like that. But I think I, I'm with you, Max. I think people should be exposed. I think if you are comfortable enough to be hostile towards somebody in a public workspace, you should be outed and you should be accountable for that. This you know, feeds uh, nicely into my question uh, okay. on today's show, which uh, talks about successes and failures. Now, I've often heard Max on his hit. And I say hit podcast, <laughs> The Guardian Football Weekly, which listeners, as I told the guys before, I listen to tragically three times a week as a as a, as a devout football. That is three team. separate episodes, Dane, just so you know. Yes, it's not yes, the same not one. The same one. Three uh, unless, unless Arsenal were doing terribly, in which case I only listen to the second or third episode. Um, um, but, um, but I, you know, and then Max will occasionally reference Soccer AM, which I have said in a lovely period of his life on, but also kind of slightly makes a bit of fun uh, uh, at, the, at the fact, you know, is it's an interesting lifespan should we say soccer am yeah um so so my question to both of you guys today is how have your failures helped you achieve successes because i think we all look back on our lives with ups and downs and you know max you often kind of talk about different things you've done uh in your career and how did they how did those things that weren't quite working uh help you find things that that did I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I mean, my biggest failure is that I've recently been dropped as the voice of Gaviscon. And I only only found out by seeing the Gaviscon advert and my voice no longer being on it. That's cold, Max. Hey, listeners, bicarbonate soda is equally effective. How about that, Max? Exactly. Rennie. Rennie, Rennie, Rennie. Exactly. Just get get Rennie or any bicarbonate soda. All you need to do is alkalize your stomach acid and you'll be fine. How about that? Do you know what? It's a good, it's a really good question. And I think I, I sort of, I don't know if I look at my career as a, in in, whether anything's been successful or, or a failure, really. I just sort of, what Soccer AM taught me, and, and it was, 
It was like getting that job was like the Heineken advert, you know, where the guy's playing the blues on the porch and then, you know, the the, the limo turns up. Like, I I was just on local radio and I made a showreel and I, you know, and I'd, I'd, you know, I'd made demos and got pilots at Radio 1 and Capital and Kiss and that music was a bit noisy for me and, and I'd just sort of fucked them all up and not done them well and hadn't got those gigs. And then I'd made a showreel because I'd lost the breakfast show at BBC London because I wasn't famous and been replaced with Paul Ross, my nemesis. And uh, he's quite a nice fella. And um, and I'd made this showreel. I'd sent it to everybody. And I'd never done TV in my life. And everybody ignored it. Like everybody. I sent it to every single possible person I could possibly find. The only two replies I got were from the Travel Channel, who said I was boring, <laughs> right? And, <laughs> And and the Travel Channel wasn't like the Travel Channel that, that wasn't like you know Travel Man that was that was just like two weeks in Mallorca will cost you three hundred quid like how edgy do you have to be right yeah I mean like literally it's like how I don't know how and Sky Sports and like the number two at Sky Sports rang me up and I didn't know who he was he said look what are you doing tomorrow can we have a chat I said sure and I went in I met these two old blokes. I had no idea who they were, and they built Sky Sports from like a porter cabin to this massive behemoth. We chatted about Cambridge United for an hour. We chatted about Soccer AM for an hour, and then two months later, they just gave me a two-year contract, like Fuck. with no audition, no screen test, no pilot, anything. And just, just for our listeners, because it's important to flag up that that, that that joining Soccer AM, right, which had a period of time where it just, you know, like all shows, like we, we listen, listeners, you know that a show like X Factor, for instance, comes out and it, because it's huge growth and then obviously it's had a bit of a decline in recent years, but shows have ups and downs, right? And you joined a show that was, it was massive, wasn't yeah. it? Soccer AM, yeah. absolutely massive. And and it was, it was kind of, um, it was too, it was too big for me when I started because I was just so terrified and it was interesting listening to the pod that you did with Richard Herring about like uh, Fist of Fun and like absurdist comedy and and they're having total control. And I had no control because I was just too, I was just like, I'll do whatever you say. Because also the contract was like, I'd never really been paid any money in my life. And suddenly I was getting paid like a quite a lot of money. And that mm. was like, this is the whole thing. It was just like... I'm a footballer. <laughs> I'm, so exactly, yeah. I was like, not quite being a footballer. You know, like, not. it wasn't quite that, you know. I like that reply because that, that's somebody who's had to experience um, backlash from football fans. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. No, 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 I do not want to say for a second, it's anything like a footballer. <laughs> yeah, football fans are not forgiving, that's yeah, fair. I remember um, Lloyd first got to give a goal. He was like... Already, already, oh, uh, my self-esteem took a real plunge. Oh yeah, I chatted to Lloyd about that. Yeah, he yeah. was just like straight in, and also like it was it was in Lloyd's the role that Lloyd sort of had was a bit like the role I had, which was kind of like the the sort of whipping boy type thing, and it didn't really work. And also like Lloyd's a comedian, and he's put into a scripted role. It's just it, I, I, you know, it, I don't know if it was good or bad for his career, but like he's a really nice bloke, and it was it's a tough thing for him to go into. Absolutely, but no. like did great great work. Shouts to Lloyd. Yeah, but but what I found interesting was for the first couple of years, a I wasn't myself because it was like a really laddie show, and I'm not a lad. You know, I was in I was second clarinet in Cambridgeshire County Youth Orchestra, right? You know, I. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You so, people that are assholes. <laughs> what about your secrets? <laughs> exactly, and and like so, and I was just too worried about getting a new contract. Yeah. And, and the, the main thing that taught me was just to enjoy whatever you're doing. Right now, I'm chatting to you two. It's nice. I'm having a nice time. And that was a, that was sort of the most important thing for me. Was just like 
just enjoy well, this for what it is, right? And, and, that, is, and that must that must have had an, had an impact once you started doing the Guardian show. And, and obviously, you know, listeners, it, uh, I, I genuinely wasn't lying in the biog. Like, it's one of the most popular football podcasts in the world now, I believe. And, and yeah. it's because I, you have fun, you guys. Great chemistry, right? Well, I think so. But I think, obviously, I haven't... James Richardson, you know, it's interesting, like taking over from Lovejoy. Andy Goldstein did a year and he'll be annoyed if you don't mention it, but like taking over essentially from Lovejoy was like big shoes to fill and like occasionally just be walking down the street and a van would pass you go, you'll never be Lovejoy, you mug. (laughs) (laughs) That was like, that was like before. It was like... Jared Leto, the new Joker. They're like, you're the- <laughs> <laughs> but it was like pre-Twitter, and thank God Twitter didn't exist when 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 I started on that. And then everyone thought it would fail. And actually, uh, you know, I think not because of me, but because Sky was just getting more subscribers. We ended up, I don't know, like the peak probably like six hundred thousand viewers, which which is decent so funny. For Sky. Decent for Sky. Yeah. It's decent for Sky, but you're in this bubble where you think everyone's watching, but it turns out like 65 and a half million people are not watching this programme. And then the pod as well is like, James Richardson built that with Barry Glendening and stuff. And then I just was in the right place at the right time. And the industry is weird. And you just sort of, I just try and really enjoy what I'm doing. I suffer massively from professional jealousy, whereas, where in, in which sense, if I'm watching Newsnight, there is part of me going, I could fucking do that. And if, if I'm watching The Masked Singer, I'm thinking, I don't fucking do that. And then I have to step back and go, I don't know if I want to be. I, I yeah. like being inside. I don't want to be up at 11 and I probably wouldn't do as good a job as the people doing it. So it's just trying to enjoy whatever I happen to be doing. Well, and that's helped you build a success with with your show, man. Like, well, definitely, so. no doubt. I, no I doubt so. that, that experience is before. I mean, Dane, you, you, you've had... Endless, you know, ups and downs that we obviously talk about. You know, some yeah, I, I've I'm I have been subject to uh, acute states of professional jealousy as well, man. So it's not it's not unique to yourself, and I don't think it stems from an envy where I believe the person who may be in that role is undeserving of it. But it's more like, well, if he's doing that, what the fuck am I doing with sure. my life? Why are you Why are you hosting famous? Why am I not doing that? Is what I'm thinking. I mean, if you sort of twit the finger, the Twitter feed at the beginning, it came up a lot. It really came up a lot. I was like, why don't you do a poll? I was like, why the fuck would I do that and lose the match freshman? So, yeah, it was all in the air. So, but I, I don't know, but it's, it's funny because at this point now, it's like, if I'm to reflect on failures, I wouldn't necessarily look at them as failures per se, depending on how you kind of quantify them. Because like, you could look at failures within relationships, but then I feel like, I guess that kind of guilt a lot of the time for people and self-pity when a relationship ends, you'll blame yourself, which I do a lot of the time, or at least try to look at my role or the responsibility I have in a relationship. But then you can never really control the will of another person. And as much as you can kind of predict someone's actions, you really can't understand or read somebody else's mind. So all you can do is really is control yourself. So, so far as like failures, I think, yeah, I think a failure really is, is when you don't really learn a lesson from an experience so, and, and I always try to make a point of principle that whatever, if that, something doesn't pan out how I would like it to, um, at a point later in time when I'm enjoying a success, then it gives you much more of an understanding and more perspective where those troughs in your life are concerned. I did a quiz show on BT Sport, which was a failure, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, now I think about it. I did celebrity mastermind. And my God, that was a massive failure. That reminded me of Max Rushton. No, I felt, but yeah, that just, but again, it's like, I suppose... Well, but the thing is, though, Dane, you, you know, you as a comedian have got up and had bad gigs and those bad gigs make good gigs happen. That's the yeah, fact of being a yeah, comedian. I think sometimes as well, it's it's 
I guess you could think about again biologically is that you need to be introduced to certain stimulus to stimulate evolution. So where I had bad gigs and I was able to find this is where I went wrong, this is what I did wrong, that meant I was like, I don't have to now change this aspect of my work in order for that not to happen again. I mean, you can never avoid particular things, but there's only so much you can have preparation for an experience you've not had before. And you can only use your previous experiences as reference points to kind of, I guess, mitigate that failure. But I think it's a natural path of success. And like, without you having failures, then how would you even quantify success? Well, because all three of us would be considered successful in the eyes of most of the world. That's the one in, in the most interesting. I don't know. You should read my Twitter account. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm telling you, MBE, and I don't. So, 99.9 percent of the world will look at us like glorious successes. And you know, I, I, I've got. I, I look at you guys. It's an interesting thing because obviously your front face, you are your persona is public this is as public as i get on this podcast really and and yet my career uh you know when you pitch tv shows basically for a living it is the constant <laughs> experience oh, of failure man and i've then- done those i've done you hosting <laughs> with cushy bank meetings so do you know what i i my agent really got annoyed with me because i just wanted to i kept pitching this show like when i what's interesting i've got soccer am and for about three four years you're kind of oh here's a new exciting person yeah and so everybody wants to meet you and then they realize they go what's your passion because i can't lie i can't say what do i i really love watching death in paradise and and spaghetti bolognese can we make a documentary about it you know so i'd just be like oh i just really like people and they'd be like oh fuck off and then so i I wanted to do this idea called big things right where i just went and found the biggest car and the biggest building and the biggest animal and it was called big things and everyone was like this is a shit idea and i was laughing about on the radio about the shittest idea and then everyone just said hang on richard hammond did it on discovery about three years ago and you're like ah yeah, so even know. my shit ideas, what they, they, but then, but know. then the, but the thing about being the talent on 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 on, on screen talent is obviously you're you know generally never taken that seriously. Whereas, whereas when your your whole entire basis of your existence for me for at least a period of time, and it's slightly changed now, as I'll tell listeners uh, in coming months when we release what we've been working on. But this 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 life of kind of like my idea is a good idea. Um, no, everyone at the channels say no and they're not going to give you any money. Okay, well, I guess I was wrong then. Or you keep going. That's the other option is you can keep going and occasionally you'll get it away. Do you in those meetings, because I've had those meetings where I've got like three what I think are pretty good ideas Mm. and they've gone... I mean, it is literally... It is is you fussy with Chrissy and they go, no, we don't like that, we don't like that. Have you got any other things? Have you got any other things? You know, and then you're just going, oh, God, I'm in this room. Come on, Max, think of... Just think of something... The longer you do it for, the longer, the more, the longer that list is in the back of your head. What I can yeah. see, what I could, what I call um, my back pocket. Uh, so, like, uh, you know, I'll have my team and we'll talk about the meeting that's coming up and we'll have our ideas. And then I'll just tell them, yeah, I've got a few things in my back pocket that I might bring up. And do you know what? Occasionally, uh, I'm not going to tell you the broadcaster or the company I was working for, but I had a meeting with a major broadcaster, probably the arguably now the biggest, and. I went into this meeting with my my boss and um, we got what is commonly known as pitch slapped uh, because everything that, that we pitched got rejected. And then I did my uh, back pocket or some people call it the Columbo moment where you go, just one last thing before I leave. And fucking hell, it's actually happened at the company I left and it is being made this year. And um, I, it was the literally, I was just walking out and I just went, what about that? And he went, you yeah, know, that's, that's more like it. Yeah, that. And unbelievably, it's happening. I went into a, I went into a meeting once. So I did a history degree, right? 
So nice. uh, 10 years ago, people were like, oh, you know, history, histories, we could, you know. I went into a meeting room and this someone said, they had a board, right? An ideas board with faces on it. And it was like a ludicrous, it was like Eddie Izzard. <laughs> and, you know, just like super famous with my fucking face in the middle of it. It looked ridiculous. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And then this person just kept saying to me, we want to make history sexy, right? And I couldn't, eventually I just burst out laughing. I was like, this is, this. I feel like I'm in Toast of London. I don't understand what's going on. But this, <laughs> anyway, you know, they're, 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 those meetings are so funny. And I'm so bad, so bad at them. Oh, no, no, no one's good at them, though. I, th- I think those meetings exist whereby, like, there is a setting where you have production on one side, creatives on another side, and there's, like, ideas and someone... So everyone's got dots. It's just who's going to connect those dots. Yeah. And do, yeah. And, do it, and I think it's a way of doing it convincingly enough because, you know, it's, if they had the ideas, they wouldn't go to you in the first place. So there's just... I think there's just always this um, bridge that someone needs to cross for people to kind of meet in the middle. But and, how, is it, how is generic you know, generic vanilla football pr- presenter going to make the bubonic plague sexy. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, just because I'm aware that we're um, we're kind of hurtling towards the conclusion of our show without getting to Dane's question, but it's been a, what a brilliant episode it's been. And Dane, you had a football question, I believe, that you I wanted to, to pose, Max. The question real quick, Max, is that you get the former employees of Babe Station to then yeah. recant historic events with reconstruction, <laughs> and that's how you make history sexy. I used to work at, I, I, I lied, I did one live TV show before I got Soccer M and it was, you know, like when there's no horse racing, so they put on a computer game horse racing. Yes, I saw gap- virtual horse racing, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I commentated on that in a studio, which was next to, it was, they had three tiny studios and it was virtual horse racing babe station type show and then like astrology mystic meg show so it was honestly the tea room was just a fucking weird place because you know like miss mystic meg would come out with the crystal ball and someone in bikini and then just like two blokes going do you want to do you want to yeah okay builders fine two sugars and then we'd all go into our little rooms and and do those sorry dane what's your question no no but i love that (laughs) I, i can imagine that you know mystic meg probably got a lot more attention because i imagine a lot of employers at babe station would be just by the nature of them being creatives would have a lot of interest in the in astrology Mm. so um my question is i think it's a rather simple one and i i I think we may be tired of hearing it but i just i want just to give you the context of to answer this question as max rushton as opposed to any previous positions or states you've held but i'm asking you because um i trust your judgment um obviously you worked for seven years on soccer am which i enjoyed i may i say um you sound surprised no i feel like because uh I guess I'm an armchair football fan and I'm not like, yeah. you know, I, I couldn't give you stats from like the eighties and stuff when I was born, but I do enjoy football. Um, and I guess where England's football identity is concerned is obviously one of the, probably the strongest one in the world, I'd argue. Um, I say that because I feel like we're the only people who still see an entitlement to the highest uh, award possible, the world cup, because we're the ones always say it's coming home. Um, been a while since it has done though mm. and uh my simple question to you was uh how can it come home how can english how can english football come home as well? dane i've got news for you we're going to do it this summer yeah, I, yeah hang I on. I, you know i, I always become I how it's done <laughs> so so is the question of how can england win a major tournament 
Yeah, and I, and I mean from grassroots to from grassroots because I think what's really interesting about that football identity question is I think there is a real hubris in this country yes. about how important England is as a nation within football, and almost we forget that people like football in Italy or Argentina or Brazil or Nigeria or or Australia or whatever. Remember when you were in school, Max, and we talk about football and people would say stuff about Americans and we used to be like, well, they can't play football. That's not a thing anymore. No. What's interesting about the phrase it's coming home, right, which comes from Three Lions, which is, you know, Bedeal and Skinner, which is kind of like ironic, right? Like, it was okay, Euro 96 was in England, but it was kind of like the whole song was about failure and... And it's sort of been co-opted that it's coming home to be a kind of arrogant, you know, a bit like having a Union Jack in your in your living room, you know, <laughs> etc. You know, that sort of nonsense. And I get really frustrated when there's a new head of the FA and they come out mm. and they say, my targets include winning the World Cup in 2026. Because actually that... That isn't the. That is obviously an amazing thing. If England win the World Cup, it would be amazing, right? And I'd love to do it. And I get very patriotic about it. It's the only sport. Is the only time when I sort of where being a nation makes any sense to me. You know, the rest of it is an accident of birth, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I do get passionate about the England football team, the England cricket team, the European Ryder Cup team, etc. To win a tournament. Okay, you need good players, a good manager, you need a shitload of luck. It is, you know, tournament football is not the highest level of football, you know, that, like it's not as high a level as the, 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 the Champions League, for example. And it could happen. And, you know, mm. 66, we were pretty lucky. And there's a, there's a sort of, you know, if you, if you, um, there's lots of stories about, you know, the South Americans were furious with the refereeing decisions over there, but, like, there's this idea that, hey, hang on, we're the English, we're straight down the line. You know, that ball didn't cross the line in 66. You know, I'll get harangued, but... We are the reason for VAR, you know. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And actually, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, like, if we win it, that'll be great. But, but you mentioned grassroots, and that's the really important, you know, if we're really being, what really matters is that, Everybody gets an opportunity to play, right? And um, and and to do that, you need football pitches that everyone can play on, and you need 4G in loads of places so that people from disadvantaged communities can play at any time of day, whatever the weather, etc. You need to reach out to every set of communities. You know, like there are lots of. You know, there are barely any Asian footballers, right? You need to yeah, do exactly. that. You need to encourage. Um, Not like British footballers either that we know of outside of like you know the Israeli leagues and stuff. So said that one came. No, no, no. You're right, actually. No, no. no so there's one guy at uh, uh, Wickham, Joe Jacobson, I think it is. But yeah, really, really few. And we've got a problem with. I think it like to 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 get a co your coaching badges here costs so much more than it costs in Germany, right? So that's another problem. I, I think a big part of in terms of footballers our framework in terms of how we provide for athletes, particularly in the sport of football. Because the thing is, if you live in the States and you can play basketball to like a good collegiate level, you can have a substantial career and play college basketball, which is televised. I mean, there's a lot to be said about how they remunerate college basketball players. But mm -hmm. at the same time, you can still, if you play football or basketball, you can go on via the scholarship. So even if you don't want to become a professional athlete when you graduate, there are still options available to you. Whereas if you're in a YTS up until like you're 16 and you get released from a team, what yeah. 
I mean, you're not good at football and, there's, and there still should be options available to you because I remember speaking to like uh, Leon Legg who was playing for Cambridge before. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. I know Leon. Yeah, Leon's a cool guy. He was saying that like, you know, there's guys that are probably playing within uh, the second division who would probably be good enough to play in like the Swedish or Belgian Premier League. You know, you have people like you know, um, Kazim Richards who probably would have languished in like the lower leagues and then went, went on to play Champions League football because he was playing in Turkey and it's like, mm-hmm. these options should be available to all players or be aware of it or like I said, it's like, the MLS, like, or even if you are a, if you are a good player and you could maybe have a, a, a football scholarship or a soccer scholarship to a US um, university and get another education or open up new opportunities for you. I feel like the framework, even at grassroots all the way to that point, I don't think there's enough that we offer a lot of options or even invest at football at that level as well, where we, we can find yeah. diamonds and rough and like, you know, how many more, how many Ian Wrights do we miss when we do find yeah, it's a really good point. And, 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 you know, there's lots of questions about the academy system and there's lots of questions about, you know, it's such a small percentage of players who actually make it. So what are the provisions for, um, you know, all those players that don't? I mean, there are, if you go, you know, you take it even further, like there are so many problems at FIFA and yeah. I, I don't want Howard to have to run this podcast by lawyers. Um, are you but, kidding? He'd love this right now. You I, ideally not. Ideally not. If on his own podcast. Yeah. But, you know, loves it. Like the way football <laughs> is run, it's like, what is the point of sport? And it, it, it's, it is a really, the higher up you get, it's like a murky world. And, you know, football clubs are owned by countries that have dubious human rights records and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And it's, 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 what's interesting is you can have all that and yet you can still have a moment where, I don't know, De Bruyne scores that goal last week and it's so beautiful or Lamella's Rabona and you just think oh yeah that was beautiful is, that was beautiful <laughs> I mean it worked out alright for you guys but you know it's 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 trying to be able to sort of enjoy the beauty of it and also just just be aware that it's like lots of you were talking about the music industry on another pod and saying you know that basically there are just vested interests and there's money and it comes from somewhere yeah. and then it's 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 slightly tainted by that, but hopefully not so much that you can't still love it. Yeah, so like Marco Owen went to Stoke and it's like, he ain't going to play for Stoke, but, you know, it's £55 a pop for us kids, say Owen on the back, right? For kids' sizes yeah. as well. So, yeah, and I, think, I think that's a large part of the issue, man. I, th- I think once, uh, yeah, football became the commodity that it is, and then you could, people know you can sell boots for 300 quid a pop, then it's kind of, yeah, you're going to have a lot more stakeholders. But Gareth Southgate is a brilliant man. And- I think- I, th- I think he is for the very first time there's somebody who and for me it's like the whole Arteta thing it's like they they are you can tell they love the game as well they, these aren't people that are trying to obey shareholders and they're not trying to like you know again have to work in line with a football squad that includes the required image rights to recover the maximum amount of money from foreign investors and rights and stuff I think there's a lot of commerce and there's a lot more to the uh, where which has allowed in many ways what we used to call teams and now sports conglomerates and I think there's a lot more invested in those conglomerates where it's kind of like, you know, when everyone was like, what the fuck is happening with Arsenal? And it's kind of like, well, because the TV rights are the same, whether you win the Premier League or you become fourth, as long as you're in the Champions League, you're going to get a pot of money. And that, and for a shareholder, do you give a shit whether they win or not? If your share price is still going up, you don't really give a fuck. And, and that's the problem. When you, but guess, to return to the, um, the England question, Dave, I'm just going to say that I think if you're not a massive football fan, but you like to get involved when the tournaments come round, uh, this is the single, uh, Max can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the single uh, biggest 
quantity of quality players England has ever had in my lifetime, the, the quantity of it is just remarkable. When you look at kind of, we used to have like Gascoigne and now we, I, would, I would argue we've got about four Paul Gascoines, not all at the same level necessarily, but we've got some amazing players. So it could be, just get behind the team when they play this summer would yeah, be my yeah, advice. Yeah, listen, still. Southgate's a great bloke and he's a brilliant talker and he's he's... And he cares about all parts of the game, I think. And we mm. do have some great players and I'll believe. And then yeah. I'll be incredibly sad when we lose in the semi-final. Lose, lose in the semi-final to Germany. It's to win the tournament, it's such fine margins. You know, yeah. you just need everybody to be fit and well and happy. And Howard did the, it's time to stop. I, he, he's sort of been... <laughs> you don't have to tell them. He's no, been no, doing... No, he's no, been, no, the Lamella Rabona comment, that, that's what lost out. <laughs> he's he's had the face like we should have stopped 15 minutes ago. <laughs> no, no, it just my, my weekends are longer when I have to edit it. It's fine. Um, um you'd love it, Howard. But this has been Dane. What another great episode, eh, mate? Absolutely. Um 2021 continues um apace with amazing guests. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Mr. Max Rushton. Uh hey, those, thanks, Dane. For those people who have lived under a rock far away from any football pitches in this country. Um, yeah. Could you let them know where they can find out some, some more of your good work, somewhere they can find you on a regular basis? Not on Gaviscon adverts. Let's be clear about that. Um, uh, Football Weekly's the Guardian podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and I'm on TalkSport Saturdays, Sundays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, sort of pretty sort of every day. And, um, and if you're a TV commissioner in one of those meetings where you don't give me a show again. Yeah. <laughs> for, for, oh, more shows for Max Rushton, please. How many? How many times has the Rushton Diamonds kind of pun been used as suggestion? Well, life? one of the first things we did on Soccer M before I even did a show was went filming with Anne Diamond, and uh, yeah. we had these sketches where it'd be like Rushton and Diamonds got whipped last week, and then it would cut to Anne Diamond whipping me, and we filmed like <laughs> <laughs> niche, so yeah. niche. I know. <laughs> so it was just a really, it, was, it was it was like my first day of filming it was a whole day of just doing things with Anne Diamond. Fucking hell! Really odd. That's what the kids want. Yeah, um, she was Max. nice off the cameras. She was nice yeah. off the cameras. Yeah, okay, probably sure. as confused as I was. Really. <laughs> and now Max is going to take his top off, and you're going to whip him. It'll be. It'll make sense. <laughs> It will make sense. You don't want to have kids. You know how to. You know how to. <laughs> Easy, Max. Real good. Max, thank you for coming on our show. Max, it's been a real pleasure having us, man. And uh, yeah, and hopefully, yeah, we'll see you soon. Thank you. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste questions everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him on Twitter at danebaptweets or Instagram at danesnaptiste. Our guest was Max Rushton. You can follow Max on Twitter and Instagram at Max Rushton. The show was produced by me, Howard Cohen. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Howard Cohen. The show is mixed and mastered by Audio Culture. You can follow Audio Culture on Instagram at weareaudioculture. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DBQE Podcast. Thanks to Polly, Gelly and the Acast team for all their support. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.